Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Anyway, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, we were talking about heaven this morning. And, of course, there's the Kingdom of Heaven. Is what we're supposed to be seeking is the Kingdom of Heaven and the righteousness of God. And so, what exactly does that look like? Well, we did two hours this morning in talking about it, going over an article or actually a chapter in the book, The Covenants of the Gods, that I wrote. I don't know, years ago, decades ago. And uh, a lot of things have changed, but the basic principles of the kingdom of God are have remained the same. And what we're supposed to be seeking is the kingdom of God. Now, though I just saw somebody had a program talking about uh, that we have to keep the Torah and that we have to keep the commandments and we have to abide by the law of God. But the problem is, is that most of what people think is the law of God is misconstrued and it is more of a pharisaical approach to the kingdom of God. I mean, the Pharisees studied the Torah. They knew Hebrew and they taught all kinds of things and they actually made law because Israel was a government. Judah was a government. They turned the Sanhedrin of Israel into a legislature that was actually making laws and they turned the priests into literally law enforcement. They would have Gabbai, Molokai uh, ministers go out and measure your field to make sure that they knew exactly how many bushels of grain you were likely to have to turn in. They would count your sheep to know how many sheep they could expect to receive from you and of course this was to maintain a daily ministration to help the needy of society and it was done through a system called Corbin so if you gave you know he had a hundred sheep and you gave ten sheep to one of the Gabbai Molokai ministers they could turn around and sell those sheep take the money and put it into the treasury. And they could use the money that was in the treasury to take care of the needy of society. The problem was, originally this was supposed to be a free will offering in the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God. Originally, Israel was the kingdom of God. And they operated by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. Now, they strayed from those original teachings of of free will offerings, which we call Corban, that's your sacrifice, and they turned it into a compelled offering. And they actually numbered the people, counted the people, you got registered, and you were given a Hebrew name, and it was carved on a white stone, and you could show that white stone anywhere, and it was registered so that they the Hebrew letters of your name actually give you a numerical value because those Hebrew letters were representing numbers. So that if your name was Aaron or Simon or Simon Barjona, you would have a particular number assigned to your name. And they would, that would identify and you would say, Simon of uh, Jonah, Bar is son of Jonah. And there may be other numbers that were added on to that to signify that it was you. And so if you were a member, you were expected to pay into the temple. You could be forced to pay into the temple. And you also were eligible for the benefits. And the Levite ministers were keeping an account of you because you were counted. You were numbered. And we talked about that this morning. That David started numbering the people to identify them. He was doing it for the draft. But Saul probably wanted to do it for the compelled offerings that Saul 
implemented. Saul, if you remember back, they told Saul that he was acting foolishly because he was forcing a sacrifice. He was forcing a sacrifice because the people needed to be defended against the Philistines who were mounting an army and so he forced a sacrifice to fund his army to get the provisions that he was going to need and what else he was going to need to supply that army. That's not the way Israel was supposed to do it. They were supposed to do it through free will offerings. But he forced an offering and Samuel called them out on that said, you've done this foolish thing, and because of that, your kingdom will not stand. Hundreds of years later, Polybius was saying the same thing. That when the people became accustomed to depend upon others for their livelihood, that they would degenerate the people, weaken the people, so that they would become like perfect savages. They would no longer have that camaraderie of their society. He probably knew this because he was from Corinth and Corinth had similar system and power was centralized and eventually that power betrayed Rome several times. As a matter of fact, that's why Polybius was in Rome is because he was actually a captured, held hostage because the first time the Corinthians betrayed the Romans, they took a bunch of hostages and said, you better not do this again. Well, they did it again. Because they had these leaders who exercised authority. And they had these leaders that exercised authority because they had been moving towards socialism too. Well, Rome absolutely destroyed Corinth, raised it to the ground, so that nobody was living there until about 50 years later when Caesar came along and uh, and decided to fund Corinth to reestablish it as a city because it was in a pretty strategic location we've talked about this before but the point is is that and we talked about it this morning is that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was in a time of affluence they did not strengthen the poor and they did not strengthen the poor because they set up a system of socialism where everybody had to pay in as members and so there was a guarantee that money was going to come in you were a minister you were going to guarantee that this money was going to come in and then all you had to do is redistribute it the way originally Israel was set up is that you you were supposed to pay in to the minister of your choice, sit, organizing yourselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, which was common throughout history. And then once you were organized in that fashion, you were to tithe to your minister. But if he didn't do a good job, you could pick a different minister to tithe to. So you had kind of a governing influence, kind of like the governor on a carburetor. You're controlling the flow of fuel. And if the minister's not doing a good job, you can cut him off. But in these new systems, where men were calling themselves benefactors, but they were forcing the offerings of the people, you you couldn't just vote them out. You would have to wait till another election. I mean, you, you couldn't... Your offering was counted as a votive offering, but if you didn't think he was doing a good job, you didn't have to pay in. You didn't have to support him. You had to support somebody if you were going to do according to the will of God. But, of course, if you're going to do like according to the will of Christ, you're sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, taking care of the needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. Because Christ commanded that. But if you're not doing that, then you're not doing what Christ said anyway, so it really doesn't make any difference as to what God wanted you to do. You see, because you haven't been seeking the kingdom of God, you've been seeking not only the kingdoms of the world, but the benefits of the world that come to you by way of men who exercise authority one over the other. And Christ said that it wasn't to be that way. You were not to, you know, be depending upon those men who exercise authority one over the other. And you are. You are because you're not doing what Christ said to do. 
if you if you go look at Matthew twenty twenty five and Mark ten forty two and Luke twenty two twenty five, you see that Jesus is commanding that we're not like the governments of the Gentiles, the other nations, who exercise lordship over them and they that exercise upon them call themselves benefactors. In other words, they're providing you with benefits at the expense of your neighbor through forced contributions. All legal, because everybody is signed up, but you're not to set up your government in that way. Same as if you read Deuteronomy 17, God is telling you what to put in your constitution and almost none of those five items were put into the constitution of the United States. So these are basic conflicts between what people think is Christianity, Messianic Jews, people who believe in Jesus but believe you still have to follow the Torah. But they're following the Torah according to the Pharisees and and maybe some others. They're not following the Torah according to what it originally meant. And so this creates a, a conflict between them And what is the kingdom of God? And so, what uh, we were showing you this morning is we were looking at the different sections of this original article, Heaven versus Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven, Kingdom of God, the same. And then we went through, uh, the the fact is the kingdom of God is at hand and that there are other gods uh, that, you know, like Paul says, that God's many men who say they are gods but are not. But what they are is they're ruling judges because people went down and made covenants and contracts and agreements with them in order to get benefits. And by doing so, they have violated the Ten Commandments. But more than anything, they despise dominion. And we went through that. That's why Paul, Peter, excuse me, talks about despising dominion. Because you're supposed to have dominion. Over yourself, over your family, and over some property on the uh, on the planet, but you don't have that. And what we're seeing coming down the road in the the world today, the, the new world order, or you know, the great reset, or whatever, is it's consummating and consolidating all that power that people have been turning over to men who exercise authority for. Decades and decades and decades. And they've been seduced by false prophets. And we're, you know, if you read the article at preparingyou.com, the false prophets are everywhere. They are those who say they know, but they don't know how the kingdom of God works or how you're supposed to be seeking it. That, you know, the Sabbath was about debt, yet everybody, everybody I know who says they're a Sabbath keeper, are in debt. They may not have personal debt, some of them, most of them do. But they all owe the debt of the United States, which is skyrocketing out of control. Because they've all applied for the benefits of men who exercise authority, just like the other nations. And... They need to repent of that and think a different way. So we need to understand the politics of Jesus. Jesus was a king. He His kingdom operated according to the perfect law of liberty. He commanded that the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start sharing with one another if there is a need. And that's what they, the early Christians were doing. And they were persecuted for it. But... In the final section, because the one we had just got to at the end of the first two hours, is that uh, if his, Jesus' kingly dominion is here now, what is the key that unlocks the door so that we may enter it? Will his kingdom grow as we accept his authority? Because he told us to do a lot of stuff and most Christians aren't doing it. But in Matthew 16, we see, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, for flesh and blood hath not revealed 
it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. See, they didn't know Jesus was the Messiah. Peter figured it out. But he figured it out not by the knowledge of men, but because his Father had revealed it to him. But my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. This is the first time he's calling Peter a rock. And upon this rock I will build my church. What rock is he talking about? Peter? Is he, is he making Peter to the Pope? No. Upon this revelation, he's going to build his church, his called out. God is calling out people right now to be the ministers of Christ, but so many of them don't quite understand what it means to be the minister of Christ because they have been deceived by preconceived notions of religion that just ain't so. And he says that in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which is whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And how do you loose the bonds which have connected you to another? Do the reverse. What connected you? What brought you into bondage? What brought the Israelites into bondage in Egypt? They coveted their brother's coat of many colors. They lied. They sold him, you know, their brother into slavery. Do we not sell our brothers into slavery every day we apply to men who exercise authority for their benefits? We are doing that. And we need to repent of that. The first king was God. God the Father. He was the father of Adam. And all just government and authority is founded on the law of Patronus, which means our father, the father. And it continues by consent. But of course now, if you if your government goes into debt by providing you with benefits, you can decide you don't want to consent, but it's already too late. You have to deal with the debt. And right now, Americans have nothing to pay debt with. They don't own their labor. They don't own their land. They don't own their money. They There is no private property. We explain that in the article on law versus legal. Legal title is an apparent title that carries with it no beneficial interest. So, you don't own anything. And so the reset coming along, wanting to end private property, that's already a done deal. They're just letting you know. You can voice all the objections you want, but until you repent and seek the kingdom of God, you really don't have a leg to stand on. So, the idea that Jesus said, and call no man on earth father upon the earth, no man, call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. That's where you're supposed to be getting your daily bread. We are adopted by governments. We become children of the state. Through a process of manumission. It actually takes, it's a three-part process and we covered in an article and on called No Man Father. Because that is the way we have gone and we have chosen to gone. In Matthew 18 it says, And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as a little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, how are we converted? How do we become as little children? And uh, and how have we got into the trouble that we are now in? So, what's happened is that you have returned to the bondage of Egypt where you owe more than 20% of your labor to the government. You don't own your land. You don't own your labor. You don't own your kids. And you're casting your children out by the millions 
and abortions. All that was taking place in Egypt. You're just doing it to a greater and greater degree. So now, if you want to break the bands which have connected you to this Egypt, you're going to, it's going to require God to do it. And so you're going to have to think differently, act differently, stop being a worker of iniquity, and then God can intervene. It says, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling in a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, unto another two, and unto another one. To every man according to his several abilities. And straight away took his journey. Now, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're talking about equity and, you know, all this um, equality and everything. And they want everybody to start in the same place. It doesn't work out that way. Everybody didn't start in the same place. Some people will get two. Anyway, he, he straight away he takes his journey. But then the Lord said unto him later on, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because... One had invested it and increased the amount. He had he had not only kept it, but he dressed it, made it more. Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thou, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown. Well, actually, he did. He he sowed the seed into you. He gave you talents. What have you done with them? And he says, gather where thou hast not strawed. Well, no, God God gave you the talents you have. What have you done for God? And, and God doesn't need anything from you. So what it is, is that you have to do something for the others that God has created. We're all creating God's image. So you should be taking care of one another in your society, but through charity, not force. Because force will weaken you. And, and create men who exercise authority, men of power. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou hast therefore to have put my money in the exchanger, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Which, of course, that was a bad thing. But he says that would have been better than to do nothing. So a lot of people are are trying to be the foolish virgin. They're trying to be maybe a separate from the system. They don't want the benefits of the system. But they're doing nothing to invest in one another, to strengthen one another through charity. And that is essential in seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Men have always had a free will choice. To follow... You know, the ways of the Creator, creating life, investing in the world, dressing and keeping the world, or to establish the kingdoms for themselves, like Lamech, like Cain, like Nimrod. And uh, the Pharaoh did it, Caesar did it, FDR has done it, LBJ has done it. All these guys have been establishing a government not based on Christ, not based on free will offering, but based on force, which John the Baptist and Jesus Christ and Paul and Peter all opposed. And Polybius warned you about instituting the law of force and violence. Jesus was not talking about just any old kingdom of men, but the good News of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God which is translated from the word kingdom of heaven is translated from the word Oranos and Oranos the best definition of Oranos today and actually even going back to ancient times was Oranos was everything between the sky above and the center of the earth and that's the way the Romans used to look at owning land if you own land in Rome you owned it to the sky above all the way to the center of the earth. And everything in between was yours. That, that, And it, you actually had the title to it. 
People don't have that anymore. Uh, people are, they have this title by permission, this legal title. And now this great reset is going to take all that away. And, and on the page, I, you know, I have some maxims of law that show this. And, you know, Roman law, along with many other cultures, believed that if a man owned the land, he owned it from the sky above to the center of the earth. Even in American courts, when somebody actually owns the land, not legal title, but actually owns the land, having more than a mere legal title, the maxim that a man's land extends to the center of the earth below the surface and to the sky above are absolute in the owners of the land. We don't have that anymore. But Christ still does. So the church could actually own land. and But in order to do it, it has to give up all these benefits, these wages of righteousness that come to it by way of these men who exercise authority one over the other. And the church, again, being the called out, we say the church, and we've talked about this. You know, I say church. There's a church in general, not to everybody who's following Christ. But the church specific was the little flock that he called out, put extra rules on them, gave them a mission to fulfill. And that's what we should be doing. The church should be coming the entire social welfare of all believers. But they're not. They have been listening to false prophets. And it's been cutting them off from the kingdom of God. They think they believe, but God will come and say, get you from me. I know you're not. So anyway, that's Basically, the last, the first two hours, and then now what we've just been talking about. But, uh, I have a number of other articles on, that would fall under this category of what is heaven. You know, and one of them is, uh, the quantum connection. It's a half hour on the head and heart duality of creation. And when I say head and heart, God wants to write his laws upon your heart and upon your mind. This is the head and heart. This is what they call double Jerusalem. Double peace. And then I have other uh, talks that uh, I gave on the uh, Keys to the Kingdom and the Liberty Radio Live. Uh, and we have all those there as well. And uh, we had broadcasts on the quantum connection on Freedomizer as well. I also have the Strings of the Veil, another one where we get more into the metaphysical or actually the physics of the kingdom of God. As I was saying this morning, heaven is a realm. Like that one pastor said, it's a place. It's an actual place. It's an actual place in another dimension. It's not in this dimension. But it is tied to this dimension. The same as when the breath of God formed life in the seas and on the land. It, it had, it was setting forth the laws and character of God into creation itself. And so if you go counter to creation, there will be consequences. So, anyway, on these other shows, I talk about the strings uh, of the veil and the warp and weft of time. And I talk about, uh, you know, the membrane theory and all these different things and how one part broke off and how evil, even the evil of hell and whatever that is and, and the devil is playing an important part in the glorification of God. I'm just trying to avoid straying too much in this explanation of heaven and hell. Basically, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, you're going to have to have forgiveness. You're going to have to have patience. You're going to have to have love. You're going to have to have perseverance. You're going to have to strive to take care of one another. And that's just going to be a part of your journey. And it will change you. It will awaken you to go another route. 
And so we we also have articles, and we had uh, some, you know, the state of the nation, the seeking of the kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? And so it's, sometimes it's different pages and parts of different books that I've written. The quantum, uh, the mysteries of the universe, the spiritual DNA, and gene expression. We also talk about meditation, how to be still, and so that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is one of the things that I've been uh, contemplating the last few days. I've, I've known this for a long time, but I think it's important. Is there at least two different kinds of prayer? That's the prayer in action. That you're actually going out and doing. You're being a doer of the word. And then the other kind of prayer is to be still and know what God wants you to do. Both those activities, one being still and one, you know, being active, are a part of the seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And they they play an important part. I'm really kind of at the end of the notes on that page. And you can find it, like I said, at preparingyou.com. I mean, I could go to these other articles. And on the page, you know... I, I mentioned the wages of unrighteousness. That takes you to an article, article explaining what the wages of unrighteousness are. Uh, many of the biblical quotes, you can actually go to, we have the whole Bible there, and we have lots of studies of the different books in the Bible. But there's this link after link. I've added probably 100 links to the page in the last 24, 48 hours. And it's there as a study guide. But the most important thing is to join the network and sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded and begin to do what God wants us to do. Other things that uh, I was going to talk about is, you know, people are coming up with all kinds of solutions. And, of course, a lot of people think, well, we'll vote Democrat and that will save us. Or we'll vote Republican and that will save us. Oh, no, I'm going to vote constitutional party and that will save us no what will save you is to think differently that it's not somebody else that you're going to empower to save you it's you taking back your responsibilities and start caring for one another through faith hope and charity all of the civil law all the roman law all roman civil law are convertible phrases meaning that they are the same system of jurisprudence. And that is what is pervasive today, that inequity. It's pervasive throughout the history of mankind. More so now than almost any other time that I know of in history. So anyway, the uh, I was sharing, somebody was sharing with me one of these, and I've added to this also this page on Guru's yeah, these patriot gurus that, oh no, you just do this or you do that or you fill out this paper or the reason we're losing freedom is because they incorporated the United States government back in 1871 and they put out these videos and I've done, you know, with uh, my son, we actually did it together because he had some things he wanted to bring up because he sees these new laws that are just pouring into legislatures all over the country. And uh, they've been around for a long time, but they never got them passed. And they're going to try to get them passed in more and more states. Because it's part of this great reset and taking us into the new world order. Or letting you know that that's where we're at. But uh, I put that recording on our page that is about the Act of 1871. So you can just look up the Act of 1871 at preparing you and you can listen to that as well and we have an article there that's trying to show you what nobody is telling you which is the secrets of the kingdom and the secret of how we are making things worse on a day-to-day basis so this is just kind of i pretty much summed up everything up in the first hour and our first two hours and uh, so now we're just looking at what else is going on uh, there's a predator class out there in the world that wants to take a bite out of one another. They they want to devour you. And they themselves can't do it, but they have implemented, you know, big tech uh, to cancel 
you. And uh, they're talking about laws. They're talking about re-education of those people who don't think like they do. You, you actually see the rise of fascism and uh, oppression like you would have seen in the Soviet Union or in Germany or in communist China. And people are oblivious to it. They do not understand what's going on. And even if they were awake enough to understand it, they don't know what to do about it. Well, the key thing is to turn around and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so what we've done is we've created a network. It's just an email network. And you can join based on geography. I see some people have joined and they're trying to promote this book, but they're not in a congregation. I had somebody try to call me yesterday. It was a storm and I was out on the desert and I, I answered, but we lost connection right away. Is he in a congregation? Uh, had somebody contacting me from South Africa and he's been working real hard at developing congregations, but everybody is hesitant to do it. Uh, it is absolutely essential that people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And some people will say, well, I don't want to sit down with this guy because he doesn't think like I do. He's not a Sabbath keeper, but then almost, I don't know a Sabbath keeper who is actually a Sabbath keeper. I know there are people who count seven days and they take a day off, but that's not keeping the Sabbath. They, they haven't, they have a very shallow view of the biblical text. We have an article up on that. So you can go. Just look, go to Preparing You. And search the word Sabbath. And you'll come up with that article. And read it. Sabbath is not about a day. It's about a way. And people don't know that. They just don't understand it. They've lost sight. Of what makes. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. They've lost sight of the laws of Christ. They're not doing what Christ said. They're, they're creating their philosophies and their theologies, but they're not really doing what Christ said. So, you know, somebody asked me, how does one reconcile saving, uh, for the family, for the family's future and the emergency funds versus charity? Times and employment are so uncertain and those of us employed have to consider we may soon not be employed. Absolutely. But you also must consider the fact that you have to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Somebody else wrote me from New York and was asking about you know, what they should do. They're getting older and they don't want to go on Social Security. They don't want to take welfare. They, they have a check that they're entitled to because their husband had earned it. And and uh, should they take that? And I cannot say. Those are specifics to an individual. Now, there were several other things they brought up. They know they're not perfect. They know they haven't done everything right. And this is what I'm saying is that you... You cannot go through saying, I'm not going to congregate with this person because he's not perfect. You're not joining a club. You're seeking the kingdom. And supposedly, the other people in your congregation are seeking the kingdom. How much are they seeking the kingdom? How much uh, are they as diligent as you are? Are you as diligent as they are? God will sort that out. You just sit down the tens, hundreds, and thousands. This is not a club where you're looking for, if I'm in with this guy and this guy, these are really good guys. No, you have to care about your neighbor in whatever status he is in. Now, obviously there are certain people that Paul says from such turn away. And and that's true. But we also are supposed to forgive. So, the fact is this journey of learning to see who you can sit down with and who you can't sit down with or should sit down with or shouldn't sit down with, that's a process. It's going to take time. So, yeah, the widow, she had nothing left and she still gave the penny. And Christ said we counted it because 
you know, that it was greater than the half the wealth of the rich man because she gave all she had. Now, how will you decide these things? Again, it's the Holy Spirit, and that brings us back to the two types of prayer. There's a prayer where you go out and work, and you may, you know, like I, I was out digging ditches the other day, irrigation ditches, and to move water around for grass that is not green, that I want it to become green in the spring. So I'm digging the ditch and rerouting the water so it will go to these different places on the desert and grow grass. And the grass will grow up and the sheep will eat the grass. And the sheep will grow up and I will eat some of the sheep. But the herd lives. The grass lives. The fields are green. Because I'm digging a ditch. How is digging a ditch making putting meat on the table for my children? It's the same way in the kingdom of God. The sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands is the first step. Sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands with charity and forgiveness in your heart is something you will learn in that process. Or not learn. But that's where you're supposed to be at. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So it's absolutely essential. People who have been on the email network for years and years and they're not in a congregation, they need to get in a congregation. They need to congregate, even if it's by phone. They need to establish that they're a congregation of 10. Now, obviously, when you find more people in your area, you can leave one congregation anytime you want. It's not a membership thing. It's a commitment. It's a walking together. Seeking the will of God for you and allowing your neighbor to seek the will of God for him. And it's a process and that's what the early Christians were doing and it was in the nick of time because when the shepherd was smote, they needed to have that in place already to take care of the needy of their society. It's constantly... In motion, constantly re-evaluating itself, constantly changing the way in which you gather, in which you operate, and who you gather with, and who you operate with. It's a process. And in that process, you begin to learn the patience and love and forgiveness. And you hope that others will have patience and love and forgiveness for you. But the idea of just calling me or just talking with me or I don't want to have I don't want to have anything to do with that person. No. This is evil is dividing you. This is this is one of its tactics to divide and conquer you. You need to repent of that and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So anyway, just a quick tour of uh, some of our websites. We have lots of different forums out there. and uh, But once you get into a congregation, then you can have those congregational calls. We actually have a call coming up that I may try to get to. And uh, it's a community call. And uh, anybody can join that call. We also have calls in individual congregations. And have we actually will have some in an individual congregation right at that very time. In that very moment that uh, we're having this general community call. And so those people won't be on that community call. Because they're on their own individual congregational calls. Uh, My son is up meeting. uh, Actually, he probably just finished a meeting with a congregation. Head of a congregation. When I say head of a congregation, they're just your connection point. See, so many things are different than... Because these false prophets have been coming in and teaching you all kinds of things. That you think you've gone to church because you went somewhere and sang a song. Or you said you praised Jesus. But you're not doing the will of the God. You're depending on men who exercise authority. So you're actually a worker of iniquity. Because depending on those men who exercise authority is driving the nation farther and farther into debt. And your children farther and farther into debt. And that's iniquitous activity. So, we have these different things that we can be doing right now. And if you, once you're doing them, you say, okay, 
we did this, we did this, we did this, now what? Well, we can show you what. But what we really want you to do is start seeing, we want you to see the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your mind. So you have to learn to be still and know. So, yeah, that's that's one page. If you go to Preparing You, you can go to and check that out is our meditation page. We have PreparingYou.com. We've got uh, uh, org. We have KeysOfTheKingdom.info. We have hundreds of audios. And uh, I'm really kind of out of things to say. But if you go to the meditation, and maybe that's because the meditation, a meditation properly done, and done with others in congregations. That meditation is, like I said, there's two kinds of prayer. Meditation is one of them. Because meditation is being still and knowing. And that's that's waiting upon the Lord. And we need to be doing that. So that God can guide us on a day-to-day basis. Learning to be still and know what God wants you to do. And on the page, if you go there, battling the enemy in all dimensions. So, yeah, I should put that on the heaven page as well. Because heaven is a dimension. It's it's a parallel universe, so to speak. It's not way off. Heaven's not way off, way down the, you know, somewhere in the galaxy. It's here, right here. Right in this solar system. But in another dimension. Hell is right here in this solar system. But in another dimension. What's the distance between us? There is no distance. It's another dimension. So, really, if you want to battle the enemy of God in all dimensions... You need to have the Holy Spirit enter into you. In order to do that, one of the things that stops you is your preconceived notions, but your mind going 90 miles an hour. And so, anyway, we have this contemplating the depth. We have a subtitle of audio meditation, uh, repairing the mind, psychosis, other warnings, all on that page. And... uh, I assume that there's recordings on this page. I see there's some videos on there. Yeah, there's recordings down here. This is part of the journey, too. It's part of that prayer. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, asking something in my name, there also I am. So meditating together, you should. Do, most of your meditation should be by yourselves. But meditating together can ha- actually have value, too. The other kind of prayer is prayer by doing. When you're out there digging ditches, when you're out there building, or when you're doing some sort of, you know, changing divers, doing the dishes, you need to do it with the purposes of God in mind. As you're doing that labor, expending that energy, taking care of your children, taking care of your wife, taking care of your husband, you're doing that for the purposes of serving God and His righteousness. Giving, laying down your life for those people. This opens up one of those tumblers in the lock that keeps us out of the kingdom of God. So that's kind of also another approach to it. I, What you really need to do more than anything else is go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org and join the network. And when you join the network, ask anybody within geographical reach of me, I'm in this town or whatever, Palm Springs or wherever, anybody want to join a congregation and meet on a regular basis. Now, we maybe not be able to physically meet if you're a long ways away, but start that idea. That action is a prayer. Where you start to form that. And as numbers increase, as people begin to put their faith in the commands of Christ, which is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So even if you're doing it by virtual sitting down um, by phone, it will have an effect. And that effect will possibly bring more people. It will also discipline you to show up for others. Because 
You say, well, I'm not getting anything out of the calls. Great. You're not supposed to be getting anything out of the calls. You go on the call to give to others. To be there for others. Even if it is simply to sit still and be still and quiet. So, that's probably the most important thing to do. Is to sit down those tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because a lot of things is going on and you're going to need that network more than ever. And then if you have questions, send those questions to me to your ministers. Or if you want to send them to me directly, that's fine. But you better have a minister. When you write me, tell me what congregation you you are in and what your who is your minister. Because if you haven't sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, then you're not obeying Christ. And so if you haven't organized yourself in those network groups, then... Can I really, you know, spend time on your problems? You need to be showing me that you want to spend time on other people's problems. You want to hear other people's problems. You want to be give them an ear so that somebody will give you an ear. So anyway, that's that's the the process and uh hopefully, you know, we we're working on a number of projects here. And hopefully we will start branching out more and more and more. Like I said, I added that uh, Act of 1871 article and uh, audio with that. A lot of information and data in that. We also want to make some more videos uh, that we're going to be adding. We have several video channels, YouTube, BitChute, uh, I think BitTube. And we have different people working on these different areas because we're not consolidating everything in one place. But uh, you have to be a part of this quest for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can't just sit back and wait for other people to set it up for you. You have to set it up. You have to make it a part of your day-to-day routine. You have to make it a religious ritual to show up at least once a week for others. And that will begin a process of change. That's what I recommend everybody do. And until then, uh, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.